You're listening to Secrets of a Bridal Seamstress podcast. I'm your host, Nadine Bozeman. In this podcast, I'm sharing business systems and strategies specifically tailored to the bridal sewing industry so you can build your own modern and profitable bridal alterations business. Join me as I also get to chat with fellow seamstresses and share their personal success stories. I'm so glad you're here and that we can grow together in this unique trade. All right. Welcome back, Becky. Becky, you're on the podcast, like I think season one, when we were talking to brides and you were like, here's how to stay hydrated before your wedding day. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We had a happy, healthy brides. uh, That's right. And how to avoid like the the rush dieting or whatever. So we have a different topic today for a different audience, but I'm really happy that you're back because I love learning from you. And I was, when I was sending my questions, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to know this, this, this. Um, So what our listeners may not know is that um, you spoke in our membership a couple months ago about this topic and it was such a great training and I had some really great feedback. So I was like, I feel like a wider audience needs to hear some of the basics about like holistic care as a business owner. We tend to forget, you know, to feed ourselves and stretch and do all those things when we're running a business. So absolutely. Yes. (laughs) But first let's talk about this greenhouse situation behind you. (laughs) Yeah. So I, this is my happy place. My husband reworked this, uh, they called it an old canning shed when we moved in, but he redid this greenhouse for me. And so I've got my standing desk out here and I get to work oh, out with my plants whenever yeah. I can. What are, so. What's growing behind you? So I actually planted my big veggie garden uh, last week. And so these are the leftover tomato plants that didn't have room for the veggie garden. They're huge. Yeah, oh I've sold a few of them. And then I'm kind of saving a few in case any of mine out in the garden don't make it. I can replace them. But yeah, oh that's what's left. So when did you start growing them from seed? Like what time I've been growing. Oh, oh, not like how many years have I been doing this? But like, <laughs> yeah. when did I put them in? Um, I think that is, I think I usually put them in in March. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They are huge. Yeah. They're but pretty yeah, happy so then in your lifetime. How long have you been like planting stuff from seed? Well, so my family's had a veggie garden my entire life. So I participated in that, but was not very involved like I would put <laughs> seeds in the ground and that was about it when I was a kid <laughs> uh, so, as an adult planting my own gardens I've been growing from seed for about six years and then in the last two years I started saving seeds so I actually don't even have to buy them anymore which is really magic and that is very cool yeah yeah oh my goodness we so there's no veggie garden in the Bozeman backyard this year because I spent all my money on like shrubs and like land yeah. and, and I'm like oh my gosh this is how you lose money people you buy plants so I know this is one thing where I love whole foods, homegrown foods, all that. But having a garden is not usually cheaper than buying produce. But I've been on a mission to make it be so for a while. So I started saving seeds. And this year uh, we only bought basically, you know, three or four packets of seeds for root veggies and then uh, a yard of compost. And I sold enough plants to cover everything we spent on the garden this year. So oh everything God. we get Congratulations. is. Out. So I'm very pleased with that. Wow. That is so exciting. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. So we'll have to have like another. <laughs> we can chat about this. Yeah, we should garden. get back to business. <laughs> 
But last year I had this little veggie garden and it was like really pathetic. And I watered it every day, basically to feed our local deer population, you know? So I was like, okay, it was like just snacks for the deer. I think we got like half a carrot. I did get cucumbers, but so I was like this summer, I'm just not going to do it. But, um, but looking at your greenhouse, I'm thinking, I wonder if I can start stuff in my chicken coop because we use that same like corrugated plastic, whatever. So if I have something high enough that the chickens can't get to, Okay. Yeah. Well, as the girls can't get it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's get back to business, shall we? So (laughs) let's. (laughs) So in addition to being like a master gardener, um, tell us about your nutrition and fitness biz and who you serve and who you love to help and why you love to do it and all that stuff. Absolutely. So I'm a functional dietitian and exercise physiologist, which basically means uh, as far as I apply it to my clients, I help people who are really stuck and frustrated with health or weight struggles to break through and feel better. I'm fully virtual now, so I serve clients all over the U.S. with everything from master classes to self-study courses, one-to-one coaching, functional lab testing. We do gut health and hormone health testing and nutritional health testing uh, to kind of you know, we start from the foundation of, is your body functioning right? And then we build on top of that. What's a healthy life tailored to you that's sustainable and works for you look mm-hmm. like? So uh, from start to finish, that's what I do with my clients. And then I also speak at workplaces and conferences and churches to help organizations support their people, largely by countering diet culture and TikTok science with realistic <laughs> evidence-based <science>. information. <laughs> well, I love it. I love it. And like, I kind of mentioned this when we first got on the call, but like um, most of our listeners, especially now we're like in the middle of our busy season. And the last thing that we're thinking about is taking care of ourselves. So oftentimes like the food prep or even paying attention to like what our bodies are feeling when we're working, that kind of just gets like put to the side. And then, you know, weeks later, you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. My shoulder is bothering me. So I'm really excited to kind of pick your brain about how to be in tune to those like little decisions that we can make early on, or like what we can be aware of from the start to avoid, you know, something more drastic happening or like business threatening, but, and it's kind of cool that like our listeners could potentially work with you. So if they like, like what you're Mm -hmm. teaching, we'll have those links in the show notes too. So they can get there. And I think it's amazing that you can do like gut testing or whatever you said. Yeah. You're like, um, virtual clients. That's amazing. It's truly magic. The more I've gotten into the functional testing and lab testing and all that, the more I feel like one of those kind of tinfoil hat people that's like everything is connected, but it really is. <laughs> and the body, like hormones are connected to your gut, are connected to your brain function, are connect like everything. So yes, it's, yeah. it's a really cool thing that I've added in the last year to be able to add this extra step for people who are really stuck and their bodies just aren't working the way they should. We can actually go find answers and fix it. So mm-hmm. it's been truly awesome. And I, I love that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for you. And like kind of as on the friendship side of things, I love seeing that part of your business flourish. Cause as long as I've known you, you've been really passionate about like anti diet culture and like just helping like people feel strong and healthy, like as a lifestyle instead of, you know, hopping on the fads. So I'm really excited for this phase of you'll be. Thank you. So I know this is a really vague question, but can you talk about common habits that can lead to like 
work-related injuries. Obviously we're talking to seamstresses. So you can think about, you know, our position hunched over the machine and (laughs) and over our laptops and things like that as you address this. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So if, if we're keeping it like kind of vague umbrella and then we'll, we'll bring it back to seamstresses, but the, the biggest enemy for workplace injury or any kind of, uh, overuse injury is repetition without variety. So when you have a job, it often requires repetitive movements, whether that's typing or certain types of lifting, or mm-hmm. like in the case of seamstresses, repetitive angles of the wrists in like say pinning and hemming or the way you feed your fabric through a machine. Yes. It's it's a very, very likely we all have kind of taken the path of least resistance, found the angle that feels best and that works for us. And then you use it over and over and over and over again without variety. So that's where we can get into trouble. And it doesn't mean that the way you do your work has to change. It means that we want to add in variety to your joints, Mm -hmm. to your movements throughout the day to kind of counter and balance the movements that you're doing over and over and over and over again as part of your job. Yeah. So new ways of doing these things (laughs) and like my lining, when I'm doing all my lining hems, it's like my hand ends up being like this. And I'm like, why am I doing this? It just is like all twisted. And it's like, okay, gotta take a deep breath and stretch it out. But it is quick. (laughs) And that's exactly, that's exactly it. You find that, you know, whether the position is awkward or not, or feels uncomfortable or not, you're still putting your wrist or your fingers or whatever in that exact position over and over again. So Mm -hmm. it's important to kind of add in movements for joints and muscles. And uh, oddly enough, uh, this is something we don't think about a lot, but it also includes like the muscles around your eyes um, and all through your neck and spine. So if you're always looking at something that's straight in front of you or just down in front of you, that's only three or four feet away, you're not really working all the muscles around your eyes to like, say, look out in the distance or off to the side. So there's even eye movements you can incorporate to like look side to side, up and down, and then look outside to get some distance and like work those muscles too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's mind blowing. (laughs) Yeah. Like, okay, you go from like looking at your, you know, work and then you go home and you look at the TV or like you read a book or you look at, you know, your phone or something. And it's like, I'm looking out the window now because I'm like, I got to stretch my eyes. <laughs> I didn't even think that was like a thing to consider, but oh my yes. goodness, that makes so much sense though. Mm-hmm. I know they've actually done studies. It's really interesting about uh, people who go outside more often. I think this one was done in kids, but uh, kids who spend more time outside, they tend to have better vision, long distance vision than people who are inside all the time. Because when you're inside, the farthest away you can look from yourself is the, the farthest wall, right? But yeah. when you're outside, you know, I'm looking out, at a hill, probably a mile away. And so you're not asking your eyes to do that kind of focusing. So the more you use it, the more you can preserve that kind of function. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. So, okay. Everybody think about all the muscles that you're using when you're sewing, including your eyeballs and (laughs) adding just opposite movements, right? Essentially. Yeah. Opposite and just variety. So in the case of like your, uh, the way you pin or hem or feeding something through your machine, if Mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of locking your wrists into a certain angle, just making sure that you're either you rotate them, stretch them back, stretch them forward, stretch them side to side. Occasionally, ideally it'd be, you know, a couple times a day, but it, as often as you remember, really, if it's less than that. Um, Mm -hmm. But just to give that variety and that range of motion and movement, stretch the muscles that get tight in those 
in those angles and yeah. just kind of loosen things up. Yeah. Because I imagine like, okay, every once in a while you hear people like sewing through their finger or whatever, but I, th- I think our, our injuries would be these like slow, but deadly, you know, patterns or habits that we don't even realize are harming ourselves until like, you know, really farther down the road. So like, if we're not feeling it now, because I, like I said, I can think of the things that I'm doing that I'm like, Oh yeah. By the end of the day, it's like, that feels icky. But what about these things that we're not feeling? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that the thing that helps most is to commit like one or two kind of typical work days uh, to keep a movement inventory. And so you're kind of tracking throughout your day and how much of my day am I spending typing on a computer? How much am I spending? Sorry, I'm writing this down. Inventory. Okay. I love it. So you're essentially like tracking your hours, doing specific activities. And you'd only have to do this for a day or two to get a pretty good idea. Most of us could pull this out of our heads, but sometimes surprises come up when we actually track because we we forget about certain positions or movements. So um, just for a day or two tracking, you know, how much time did I spend at my computer doing typing movements? How much time did I spend looking down at fabric? How much time did I spend doing my pinning and hemming? And it's really annoying to track this stuff, but that's why we only do it for a day or two. But then you get a pretty good idea, you know, throughout the day. Oh my gosh, I'm spending 45 minutes with my wrist in this weird position, or I'm spending five hours looking down and my neck is hanging and holding my head for five hours. So it really gives you a good start to know, okay, whatever position that I'm finding myself in for work all the time, that's what I know I need to counter with my kind of intentional movement. So when you find that your wrist is locked a certain way, or you're, you're always looking at things through five feet from you, or if your wrists are always bent backwards or whatever that looks like, um, you can counter repetition with variety for your joints and muscles. So for, if you're often having your wrist kind of flexed and bent to feed through a machine, for example, you could probably really benefit from a gentle wrist extension where you just spread Mm -hmm. um, straighten your arm out and flex your fingers back with your other hand. And even better, if you get a resistance band looped around that and work some strength in, uh, Mm -hmm. you'd be doing even better to counter that movement with muscle strength too. So, but that's where even if something's not bothering you, you can look at your inventory and be like, ah, I spend a lot of time in this position for my neck or my eyes or my wrists or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And here's what I can do to counter that a couple times a day and prevent yeah. it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think about like this, our younger generation of seamstresses that are coming in and it's like, they could sew all day, all night and like not feel anything, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, but then years down the road, that's kind of what I'm feeling nervous about too. And I'm starting to feel it more um, like my neck definitely, because then I, I realized that my head just naturally is like always forward. And so it's like, oh God. So I'm trying to like hold it back. And then my chiropractor told me when I was driving to actually have my head on the headrest. Yeah. That is like so far back. I'm like, oh my goodness. So <laughs> if that is like so foreign feeling to me, then that means something's wrong. So 
Yeah. That is my and, little contribution to the conversation. Keep your head on the headrest as you drive. <laughs> yes. And, and even better. So yeah. So we're talking about positioning and stretching, like I did talked about with mm-hmm. the wrists, even better to strengthen in the proper position. So uh, a headrest exercise, you can actually push your head backwards into your headrest and you'll start working the opposite muscles of your neck than the ones that hang. So it'll be easier to hold your head in proper position when you strengthen those muscles. I yeah. just don't want to look at myself when I'm doing it. So I'm like, oh, there goes my chin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is why we do this in the car by ourselves. <laughs> just press in for 10 seconds and relax and then repeat. Chins, can you count as you're doing this? Okay, <laughs> perfect. We have some like good, like literally physical exercises to do. Well, mm-hmm. like thinking about, you know, our, our whole business, like the holistic approach, what are other habits that come into play beyond like the physical stretching or like, being aware of what movements we're doing. Absolutely. So the, you had touched on it earlier. I think this is true of most people and especially entrepreneurs and especially anybody who's working with their hands on a project. It's too easy to get deep into our work and completely ignore any signals from our body that, Hey, I have a need. I need something addressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So often, especially if you're somebody who finds yourself just like, you're in the work and then you look up and suddenly it's three hours later, you haven't eaten, you haven't drank anything, you haven't peed (laughs) and your neck hurts Mm -hmm. because you've just been doing it for so long. What often works just to kind of get started is to set a timer for every so often. uh, I like to do once an hour, but if you can do, you know, every couple hours or every three hours or whatever works for your schedule to do a mind body check. So that would be just an alarm that gets you like, oh, hey, it's time to come up for air for a second. Take Mm -hmm. two or three deep breaths and just check in. Is my body telling me anything? And uh, almost guaranteed if it's been an hour or two, you need something to drink. (laughs) Um, You might need a snack. Some things my body has told me. (laughs) Yes. And you probably could use some getting up, moving around and some variety movements like we've been talking about. So I really like this idea of mind body checks or building into your schedule in between appointments or between, you know, every so often during a sewing day, for example. Hey, I'm going to get up every 50 minutes or every hour or every two hours. And I'm going to do 10 minutes of taking care of whatever my body's needs are. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to get a snack. I'm going to get a drink and I'm going to do some good counter movements to the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And actually research shows us that you're far more productive when you do take a little break every hour or so. It's actually 45 minutes. They recommend to be most productive. That is so counterintuitive because I'm like, no breaks, keep going. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's, those are things that I tell myself, like just finish this one thing, just finish this one thing. And it's like, then before I know it, it's like four hours in, you know, and then at the end of the four hours, my brain is not all there. I'm totally like not making smart decisions at that point. So yeah, we yeah. Can, I, my inner voice is definitely like this, like slave driver, like, you know yeah. what I mean? To keep going. So the fact that we're more productive during the breaks is like, Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. Taking breaks throughout your day helps your brain to be more locked into a project. Actually, it seems backwards, but when your brain is fueled and we, we dove uh, into this pretty well in the 
uh, training that we did earlier, but mm-hmm. fueling your body, fueling your brain regularly, like your brain is your number one user of blood sugar. So if you're going way long without giving your body fuel, yes, you can't yeah. use your brain properly. You can't even access all the parts of your brain and cognitive thought. So, yeah. and that's why we get, you know, distracted and irritable once we are hangry. Right? <laughs> it's so true. And I, um, I know like towards the end of my day, like my, my four o'clock appointments, I feel like get the brunt of this. Cause that's kind of like after lunch and that's kind of when things are like I'm like finishing up before I go home and that's when I can't keep the conversation and take notes at the same time you know at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the day it's like I could like pin I could take notes I'm I'm talking to them I'm making sense and then at the end of the day I'm like um I just need a minute to write this down and like I can't do two things yes and then like I know that's when oh man I should have eaten because then that poor bride doesn't get a great experience because she's like wow, what is wrong with this chick? She can't stay focused, you know, (laughs) but like, so I am trying to get better at, I think, um, my, my sewing days when I work alone, it's easier for me to be like, okay, I'm going to walk around. Or I've been even trying to like take laps around my shop, like around the block or something just to move. But I think when I have fittings, like I have these brides back to back. And so if, I do have a break. I just want to like sit or I want to like scroll on my phone or just do something. And I'm not thinking like, oh, this is when I should get a couple ounces of water in or I should snack. And I don't plan on like eating as much as I should. So, um, and it's so funny in our like membership chat, there was a woman who she's like, wow, I just had uh, her season's picking up a little bit later than us because of where she lives. And so she has a later wedding season. So she was like, this is my first day of full fittings. Like, and I'm exhausted. And we all were like, yeah, us too. We just are, you know, when you're like with people and you're on, that is, I feel like when you mm-hmm. use so much more energy too, because you're like thinking of like thinking of the project itself, you got to be nice to the client. You know, you're trying to like your face is on and all the energy that goes into that. But in the back of my mind, I think, oh, well, I'm not really working. I'm just kind of like with my clients. So I don't think about fueling myself for that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Weird. Now that I say it out loud, I'm like, yeah, it's a, I'm working hard. Like, yes, I should be eating, but, um, yeah, I haven't <laughs> been, that hasn't been my habit. So absolutely, notes, I'm going to be switching some things up. And, and that's such a good point you made too, like on the days where you're more social with your clients and you're having to be professional and put on a, you know, your professional face, we all know about that. And also (laughs) do your, your deep critical thought and think about the project and the numbers and all that stuff too. The break often you, you, we want to counter, I mean, this is uh, a little less literal than we were talking about with physical movements, but if you're thinking about, okay, I spent this much time having my brain fully activated, because if you're really thinking about the areas of your brain, you're having, when you're with a client to regulate your own emotions, you're having to think critically about the product. <laughs> yeah, let's talk on that one for a little bit. Yeah. We can talk about that. <laughs> your emotion, your facial expressions, yes. your tone, that, yes. Some, yes. some more than others. Yeah. You're thinking creatively. You're also <laughs> thinking logically because you physically have to put this project together. So yeah. you're using nearly every part of the human brain for the entire time you're with your client. Now, when you're sitting by yourself in front of your sewing machine, you've already tracked the numbers, you've already done that, and you've Mm -hmm. sewn things a thousand times before. You don't really have to use your brain. So for thinking about variety in your day, it makes Mm -hmm. total sense that you'd want a brainless break 
on your social day with clients. And then maybe on a day where you're sewing, you're like, I'm going to get up, I'm going to walk around, I'm going to move, maybe I'm going to use my brain somehow, because that's different from what you've just been doing. Either which way you need to hydrate probably, but (laughs) (laughs) you probably need a snack. But yeah, absolutely. You're fueling so much more and you're using so much more on a client day than you are just on a sewing day, because that's, that's a lot less brain work for you. Cause it, you've practiced it so much. Yes. Okay. That makes so much sense. Wow. It's just so funny. All these things I don't really think about <laughs> until. Yeah. And okay. I did do something very basic last night It was very basic of me, but I did order a Stanley. Yes. <laughs> Hey girl, I'm all about an awesome water bottle. I got this magic fellow uh, a month or two ago, two months ago. And it's glass. Yes. And it has like the cute nerdy little like 8 a.m. Get started. 9 a.m. Remember your goal. Yes. Uh, but I also love the one-handed pop open, but then it's got That's the lock cute, on yeah. it. Anyway, it's like all the perfect things. And yeah. I am a thousand percent for if you have a little quirk about having like the perfect water bottle and it's going to get you to hydrate. I actually had a conversation with a client once where she's like, I need you to help me because (laughs) her and her husband were having like one of those silly little arguments about whether she needs like a new water bottle with new stickers on it every like six or 12 months or so. And she she does. And she was like, he says it's wasteful, but like, it really helps me hydrate because I enjoy it, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, whoa, buddy, I don't want to get in the middle of this couple's like <laughs> argument. But I said, okay, listen, she is it go with her husband be like, Becky says I need a new water bottle every six months and new stickers. <laughs> the sticker, the sticker comment was my favorite. With yes. That. With new stickers. On. <laughs> and I said, listen. It, sure, it's wasteful. If you can find somewhere for that old water bottle to go that somebody can use it, even better. But at the same time, if you're just talking about finances, I said, well, how much does your water bottle with all the stickers on it cost you? And I think, gosh, I don't remember the number it worked out to was five bucks for per month for the time she had it. I said, okay, so basically, mm-hmm. are you willing to pay a $5 a month membership to hydration? And she was like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No brainer. And so it's like, well, because this is the one body you get, whatever it takes, you know, to to mm. make it happen. Exactly, Jerron, Whatever like it that. takes. <laughs> he was giving me a hard time last night. I was with a couple friends, and I was definitely like, they talked me into. Well, they didn't talk me into it. It's not like they twisted my arm, but they were talking about theirs. And I was like, I do think that I need they one. And it has like the handle. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was totally influenced. <laughs> um, like, cause I have a water bottle, but it's like, I can't even get my whole hand around it. Cause it's like so wide, you know? And it's like, mm. but this one has like the handle and then it has the straw and then it fits in the cup holder mm-hmm. and I got rose quartz. So obviously it's going to like match my shop. So no stickers on that one, but Theron's like, you are so basic. And I was like, okay. <laughs> But he just bought um, a new like air fryer or something like an outdoor air fryer. I was like, you get your toy. I get mine. There That's you go. And everybody's okay. healthy and we love it. <laughs> exactly. You can fry food. I can drink water and we're fine. Yes. And do you have to? No. But if you can and it helps you hydrate, why the heck not? Yes, exactly. Yes. So that is so funny. That sticker conversation is really funny. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it takes. And also like the little snacks at work and things like that. like. 
uh, I know now to get things that I know I'm going to eat instead of like, oh, I'm going to get like the healthy snacks, but I know that I don't eat walnuts. So like, why <laughs> do I still buy walnuts for myself? They're just going to sit at my shop because I'm like, ew. So now I'm trying to buy snacks that I actually will want to eat when yes. I'm tired or getting hangry or whatever. So these are all like great ideas and I'm super inspired and I'm sure listeners are too, but there's going to come a day like, maybe a month from now or two months where it's like, oh, wait, what were my health goals again? Uh, what? So how do people actually follow through with these things? Like you work with clients all the time who were like, let's set goals. And I, I know, you know, they have you as their coach. So you're probably checking in regularly, but like, how do we keep the motivation going? Yes. And I think the first thing just to call out the elephant in the room is to acknowledge that motivation fluctuates and we don't necessarily have full control over that. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to be there more sometimes and less other times. And that's just a fact. But the number one best recommendation I have is to have goals outside of the scale. Number one, because the scale is <laughs> we like to pretend that weight goals, that it's just about how much you eat and how much you move, but that's the biggest mm -hmm. farce in the world. And I could talk about that for years and have, but um, I'll brush past it just to say, have goals outside of the scale and even outside of your health, uh, because you only have so much control over those things. And if you set yourself up with a goal that you don't necessarily have hundred percent control over, you could be really discouraged if you're doing all the things and then the outcome is not what you hoped for. Yeah. Um, even if you aced your nutrition and fitness and ate all the vegetables and drank all the water and, and did all the exercise, and then maybe your body doesn't respond at the speed that you hope it will, or in the way that you anticipate. Yeah. So, um, I really encourage my clients alongside, you can have health goals or scale goals or whatever, but we don't put deadlines on those because you don't have control over them hundred um, percent. and then I also encourage them to have what I call achievement goals, um, or experience goals. So in the case of uh, like an achievement goal would be, I want to do my first pull-up. I want to climb Mount Eleanor. I want to uh, complete a Spartan race. Whatever that is, something that you can't currently do, but you will be able to do listed, but okay, with training. <laughs> Exactly. And so it keeps you motivated because there's something you're working towards. And usually yeah. those things are things that you not so much with pull-ups, but like a, a hike or a ran, run or whatever, there's a date on it. You know, there is mm -hmm. a deadline. And so you want to be able to do that thing by the time you get there, choose the thing that you actually care about. If you choose something you don't care about, you still won't be motivated. Yeah. yeah that's a really <laughs> good point too. Yeah. Choose something you really actually want to do. And and you're training for that. And at the same time, you're getting health benefits and everything else on the side. But those are the things that keep us going and you can continue to change. Like I had a client just recently who has been, um, before she came to me, she was doing a lot of weight loss. We transitioned her to some strength training to kind of keep that weight loss going. She's been doing great, but she's like, man, the scale isn't moving. So, and it's not, we're not expecting it to, because she's mm -hmm. kind of at maintenance at this point, but she's like, I don't get like a feedback or like a win, you know, maintenance yeah. is different mm -hmm. and she's totally right. And so I said, well, yeah, you need an achievement goal. So she's like, you know, those women or people who like pull trucks I want to pull a truck. And I was like, heck yeah. So I hooked her up with a local uh, strongman coach and she's training to pull a truck. 
And so those are the things where it's like, I just want to see if I can. And you really can if you train. Mm -hmm. So it's something that keeps you going and you, it builds so much confidence. And those things are wins, especially if you have like a lot of weight to lose or a long way to go on a health goal. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, or you're just maintenance. You're like, I'm trying to stay healthy. I'm not like Mm -hmm. trying to get anywhere necessarily. They give you something new every few months to aim for, to train for. It changes things up and it keeps things exciting. And then experience goals are um, like things. And, and this comes into play more often with my clients who are limited by pain or by weight or by disease or something like that. Um, but things that they want to experience that they can't experience where they're at right now. Mm -hmm. So that might be, um, a lot of my bariatric clients that I work with are wanting to ride an airplane and take just one seat and not use a seatbelt extender. Mm -hmm. Um, I had one gal who wanted to shave her own legs because she hadn't been able to shave her own legs in years. Um, or I want to be able to play with my grandkids for 30 minutes without having to sit down. So those kind of experiences, one gal wanted to ride a horse again that she hadn't ridden horses in years. And so she wanted to get to that point. So those Mm -hmm. kind of things are so motivating because they're, they're truly what people care about and they'll keep you going and you can continue to progress towards those. Even when your body doesn't do these numerical things you want. Right. No, I totally get that. And even like, I wanted to have a willingness and excitement to make dinner after work, which I haven't had that. I don't know when. And I, I, you know, I remember years ago when I would enjoy (laughs) cooking dinner and like, Oh, here's a new recipe. And, um, both my sisters and my mom, like they cook, like they like, I don't know. I just didn't, I, and whatever. I like lost that excitement, but I'm like, well, cause it's like, I come home at the end of the day and it's like, I don't want to do anything. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of my, I guess, experience goal or whatever motivator yeah. was like, I want to have, I want to come home and not be dead. I want to be like, oh, I'm going to make dinner. And then I want to go for a walk and still enjoy life when I come home instead of like working and then being done. You know what yes. I'm saying? Life outside of work. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And Mm -hmm. so like, I feel that in the weekends, but I was like, how do you come home from work and then still have energy? And it's like, (laughs) oh, because you need to eat during the day. That was a big thing for me. Like I just, yeah, the basics people. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And we often don't think about food as fuel. I think so much of the message Mm -hmm. that we get is how to not overeat, which I think is valid for some people and there's a lot more people out there under eating than we we realize when I started coaching and talking with people one-on-one and especially people who honestly culturally society-wise we kind of just assume if people carry extra weight they eat too much and I was really surprised as a young dietitian you know graduating from college when you know everything you know yeah (laughs) Starting to work, experience, like, but you can, oh, yes. yeah, rattle off all these quotes. <laughs> <laughs> like I know everything, <laughs> but I was so shocked to realize that probably about half of my clients who are trying to lose weight were actually under eating and that's why they were stuck and not overeating. Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge part of my coaching now is that so many of us, the message was just, we need to eat less, 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 less. But so many of us are actually holding ourselves back in quality of life, performance, thought, physical movement, weight loss, metabolism, all kinds of things, because we're just under your body. You know, you mm-hmm. put half the gas in the gas tank, you only get half a gas tank's worth of 
of movement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big, yeah. It's so important when you're fueled properly, the difference and how you feel. Yeah. And how well you can do your job even. It's just, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I said, it's just, it's pretty basic once you spell it out, but like not when you're in the middle of it and you have all these other distractions and then you're like, why am I so exhausted and cranky when I come home? It's like, oh yeah. Cause it's not like working is anything new for human beings. <laughs> like we were made to work, but it's like, also, you know, here's how you do it. And, and, and live. <laughs> yes. Balance, <laughs> balance breaks, listening to your body and rest. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like most of our listeners, I know not all of them, but I think a, a big majority, we work alone. Um, and, you know, unless we're with clients, the work that we're doing is by ourselves. We have our own workspace that's by ourselves that we can design, you know, to reflect our own habits and movement and stuff. So how can, um, and I, I bring this up because I came from teaching where it was more like communal. So how does working alone affect these type of topics, like for better or for worse? You know what I'm saying? Like when I was a teacher, it was like, okay, um, you have your lunch break. So it's like, we met in the lunchroom and it's like, we all ate together or like you would have, you know, your planning period. And that's when you would, I would like go walk around. You should be working, but I would go like walk around the school and like talk to my friends or like, you know, go meet with other (laughs) teachers, whatever. And then we like have a snack or something, or I'd run, get a Starbucks or something. And so it was definitely more like the eating and the drinking and the socializing was part of it. And so um, I know some of our listeners too come from a job that's more social and then they've started their own business and it's like, oh, I'm so excited to work by myself, but there are pros and cons to that too. So does that make sense? What I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've done the same thing. So I, I came from a clinic where I was in with the doctors and the nurses and the case managers and everybody. And then I left to start a private practice. So now I'm doing this solo thing. And there's definitely pros and there's definitely cons. Mm -hmm. So the pros being you have, like you were mentioning, all this freedom and flexibility to design your own schedule and space. And depending on how your schedule is set up and how your space is set up, you have all kinds of ability to sneak in activity and things that might be kind of weird in a communal setting. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. So when I was um, in the clinic, I was trying to figure out how to like sneak movement in because, and this goes back to kind of what you were saying when you're working all day and you come home and you're just like done. Mm -hmm. I could not manage to get workouts in outside, like before work or after work, it just wasn't happening. I just didn't have it in the evenings. I was done in the mornings, like getting up early, like it wasn't happening. I was so frustrated. So I'm like, I got to fit this in during the day. So what I did at the clinic, for example, there was, um, I would go for a walk on my lunch break. There was a local place to walk, but then every time I went to the bathroom, I would, we had like a single stall, uh, like a single cubicle mm-hmm. bathroom or whatever. So I would do 10 squats and uh, some stretches every time I went to the restroom <laughs> because it was the only place that it was like, nobody's going to see me. It's not going to be mm-hmm. weird. The beauty of working by yourself is you can build that in, you know, in between clients, if you want to do five jumping jacks and five squats, nobody's going to look at you sideways because it's just you and your studio uh, you yeah. know, most for most of the time. 
So that kind of thing gives you all the freedom in the world. And then also one of the cons is the freedom that you have because you're the only accountability for yourself. (laughs) So it's way too easy, like we've been talking about, to ignore your body's needs, to not pay attention, to never come up for air because you're not even getting those natural interruptions of a coworker stopping by and saying, hey, how's your day? And you just kind of come out of your work for a second and then you think about something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have to kind of take that responsibility on as solo workers of I need to check in with myself. I need to take a moment, a brain break and listen, hydrate, whatever. Uh, But you have so much flexibility to implement movement or whatever in ways that's not going to be weird because you have other people floating around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but if you really yeah. struggle with accountability, I love doing um whereas uh I used to have a coworker that I would walk with on my lunch breaks and that just helped me like get out there even if I didn't feel like it because I wanted to go chat with her. Mm-hmm. So as a solo entrepreneur, if you can find another solopreneur or some other friend that even you can call on the phone who isn't nearby you, they're like, hey, we have our lunchtime call and this is when we both go outside and walk. You can kind of figure out how to leverage that accountability in the social accountability piece as it benefits you. And then you also have the flexibility to leave it behind where it's not beneficial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah you, it, we take on more responsibility when we're on our own, but we also have so much more freedom that that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that I like how you said, how you said that the balance of um, the responsibility and the freedom and just, mm-hmm. you know, remembering like, yeah, you can change things to oh, look at you as you take a sip out of your water bottle. <laughs> um, we have the freedom to like make the changes or if it's not just take a step back and think of what's working, what's not working. So I yeah. think this will be super helpful for listeners. And I know that I'm like, oh, I got to go for my water bottle. Okay. Yay. I'm like, cause I have another interview after this, but I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have a little snack and drink some water and refuel because I feel fine now. But I think like 45 minutes from now, I'm going to be like, Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so you have, um, you have membership, you have master classes, you have coaching. So how can our listeners work with you or learn more about what you have to offer? Absolutely. Yeah. So I uh, have an Instagram and a Facebook page. They're both great ways to kind of check out my approach and see if I'm a good fit. Um, Besides listening to me on a podcast, that's another (laughs) one um, to kind of learn my philosophy. Because when you're working with a wellness coach, it's really important that you click. It's a lot like a therapist in a lot of ways. So you really have to find the right fit. So uh, I've been posting information on there. There's hundreds of posts, so you can really get a good feel for my approach and who I am and if I'm a good fit. Uh, So my Instagram is beckyparsons.rd.ep, and Becky is spelled B-E-C-K-I, not Y. Um, And then my Facebook is Becky Parsons Nutrition and Fitness, so you can find me at either one of those. I also have a free download, which is pretty fun, of 85 healthy snack ideas. And you can get that at my website. That's Mm beckyparsons.com. And uh, if you go there and just wait for that annoying little pop-up that shows up after, you know, five or 10 seconds of poking around, (laughs) that's where you can sign up and get the 85 healthy uh, snack ideas for free. So if you're from like we've been talking about getting ready to start your bio breaks and you need some ideas of yummy snacks that you actually like and will actually yeah. eat. There's 85 <laughs> of them there. So hopefully something on there is something <laughs> One that of you- them can work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so and so then great. 
The website is also where you can get all the information about masterclasses. I have pre-recorded masterclasses or I teach a new masterclass every month. Functional lab testing with the gut health, the hormone health, micronutrient, vitamin, mineral testing, uh, ongoing coaching for support and accountability, or to have me come speak to your workplace or group. That is so helpful. Thank you. And yeah, I'm a big fan of your approach. So I'm really excited to get this information out to the listeners. So thank you for your time. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you so for much. the tour of the greenhouse and the, <laughs> the gardening inspo. So that'll be, Anytime. I don't know how we can get that into like a seamstress theme, like gardening with seamstresses, but <laughs> we can make we'll figure it out. Stuff. You and me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, enjoy the sun today. And thanks so much for your time, Becky. <laughs> thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And if you're feeling really generous, leave a review. Thanks, everyone.